This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Uh, thank you for tuning into the War Room. Welcome to the War Room. Uh, Joe, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. We we are excited. We're closing out the uh, the Friday here, and uh, I think I think this is a conversation that can do the closing out of Friday some justice. Let's do uh, it. My <laughs> my my notes here tell me that uh, there's going to be an interesting conversation. So, first off, I ask everyone this, and it's not it's 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 nothing too serious, but it's what does your origin sort of look like as far as like your origin story, you know, not when you got your superpowers, but like, did you grow up around entrepreneurs? Like were your family entrepreneur people or were they working professionals, educational professionals? Yeah. I, I love that question. And I actually listened to that on another one of your episodes. Um, uh, quick answer. I actually was born in a dirt poor family. My grandparents raised me. I was actually in the foster care system for a long time. And I think that formed a lot of my, you know, energy and gusto, but, you know, no, no background, <laughs> no, no heritage from that perspective. Okay. No. And I respect that. Hey, listen, I'm one of 17 and most of them were in foster homes growing up. So I, I understand what that looks like. Wow. And and so where does this, I know where it comes from for me, but where, for you, where did this drive come from to become a, a a founder, you know, a, an agency owner. Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, two things that come to mind. One, um, I think I think adversity. You know, no one. I have I have three young boys, and I have to watch out for doing things for them because no one did that for me. I had to, you know, I got my first job. I had to buy my first car. My grandparents had already raised a family, right? And they were kind of on aut- autopilot. And so I'd say that's a big one. And the other thing is just the way that I, I'm wired. Um, I'm an engineer. Um, I remember at a young age, we were doing Halloween candy with my grandparents and we're packing the bags, little, little goodie bags. And I factoried that thing up. <laughs> As like an eight-year-old, I loved building systems, even if it was just to pass out, you know, calories. <laughs> so wow. Okay. And did you end up going to college beyond high school at all? Or was that just out of the picture for you? I like to tell people, you know, my actually my first startup was uh, online uh, staff scheduling for fast food restaurants. There's a website called Mr. Schedule. It's still alive. I don't know how. I left that company about 15 years ago. Um, but I did have a mentor growing up, a guy I really appreciated. He mentored me for about seven years, worked at Microsoft. And I like to say that that my four-year education, because I just have a college or sorry, a high school education, was four years of building a SaaS product before SaaS was even an acronym. Wow. Uh, kind of filled every role, um, wrote a ton of code, design, support, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And so you're you're paying your dues and and learning what you right. have to. What does it look like when you start 
actually building your company? Like what that was it through your mentor and you working together or what did that look like? Yeah, you know, I was great as a I think I think I started when I was 17. So first, you know, great plan was get like five other partners. Right. Yeah. Um I, I ended up, you know, I I great guys, really appreciated them. Um, but I I did a, most of the work, probably about 90% of the work. I was handling everything. And it really, it was just uh, just grinding experience, you know, that taught me things, you know, it, it was, I, I had no reservations. I didn't know what I was getting into. And so it's like, yeah, let's just build this system. I, I went up to an owner at my job. I worked at Burger King and I said, Hey, I'd like to be able to check my schedule online. Uh, Cause I keep getting harassed when I call in, <laughs> well, write it down, please. You know? And he just said, do it. And I was too uh, naive to know what I was getting into. <laughs> Right. So just hit it hard, wrote thousands of lines of code, probably an 800 page book. Um, We brought on restaurants um, to use the system. We had problems. We had challenges. I had a mental breakdown probably in my late teens, 18, 19, because of the particular challenges that came from that project. Um, But I like to say, you know, later on, I started an agency Um, for 12 years. I ran an agency web design. And I just, I think, you know, the the best way to learn is by eating concrete. Uh, You learn through good experiences, but you don't learn it like when you're banging your head against the wall over and over on a particular um, experience. Um, So I just say it was over and over, you know, just jumping in and um, the school of hard knocks teaching me one lesson at a time. Man, there's a lot of truth to be said and, and, um, Jason talks about this all the time. I mean, you've got to choose the hard path if you can, because that's the one that makes it easier. When it is an easy time, you, you don't even feel it. And then when it's a hard time, you still don't feel it because you, you, you got to eat the shit sandwich every now and then. It's like Jason so eloquently puts it at times. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of respect to be said for how early you started and what you were trying to accomplish. And uh, that burnout crisis that you had, I mean, that's, the earlier, the better, because I imagine from that point on, and this is, I think, a good topic to go into because there's a lot of people who are listening who are business owners, and some of them are probably Friday. I mean, sure, every business owner never has a day off per se. The fire may always be there, but there are some who on Friday, regardless of what the what, what the uh, forecast looks like, are going to drive themselves into a ground just into the ground just to make sure that they're like 2% better, which is not worth the effort if right. it's only 2%, but they'll do that because that's just how they're built. They're built right. on reaction mode. Right. And uh, Jason and I talk about this a lot. So I'm curious, is that something that after having had the experience when you were late teens, 18, 19, right. have you worked against that? Like making sure that never happens to you again? Yeah, I mean, that really was a huge moment in my formative business career. I, I think I I learned uh, I learned a lot about setting expectations because that was part of it. I set horrible expectations because I was a kid. <laughs> what I was doing, right? And um, I, I learned I learned early on I'm not going to chase the dollar. Um, I I want to work really really smart. I, I obviously want to be a very very hard worker. Um, but I, I want to do it in a way where, you know, it's, I I, I used to tell my wife 
friends when I was running my agency, I want to make X amount of, uh, X amount of thousands of dollars a month, you know, three, $4,000 net after everything for 30 years. <laughs> right. And you, you compound that over time and um, you treat business like, you know, a marathon and not a sprint and it changes everything. Um, I, I uh, 12 years of running my agency, um, I had, um, I never had um, mandatory overtime for my team. Um, I only, I only lost one um, key employee in 12 years. Wow. Um, and uh, a lot of times when we did even did have overtime, I, I would pay time and a half or sometimes even double, despite the fact that everyone on my team was salary. Um, and a lot of that can be traced back to my own personal experience, which is like, look, I just, if this isn't fun, if I'm not enjoying myself, if this isn't something that I can build, that's going to run smoothly, I don't, I don't want to do it. Um, and I think the fruit of that for me, ultimately, before I sold my agency, um, I had about five hours of crucial work a week. Um, it, I sold at the best of times. Um, and part of that was just because, you know, we, we, we never overextended ourselves. I, I love, <clears throat> I'm dragging on here, but I love Jim Collins when he says, you know, 90% is sustain the core, right? And then 10% is stimulate progress. I love that principle and I've lived by it. All right. First of all, thank you for 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 running on and letting and going deeper on that. I, it's appreciated, especially for a format like this. And you've said a lot of things that I feel like really resonate with uh, the way Jason thinks as well. I want to let him chime in and just give some of his thoughts on that because I, a lot of what you said. I mean, it's it's the book. It's the book of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's really just it. It's a learning experience, but. You know, the good thing about it in today's world is you don't have to experience that if you don't want to, right? There's so much information at our fingertips every day. There are so many people out there that have already took all those arrows in the back, right? And, you know, you know, I, I would say that my generation above me did a very poor job of of that with my generation of business owners because it always required a check right you know oh anything well you want to talk to me for five minutes well it's going to cost you five grand right so um and i know a lot of people that are in that mentality and i'm not saying that's not uh justifiable but what i'm saying is is business owners right that's what's created the island right that created the island. Sure. And it's uh, it's up to us as business owners to be able to interact like this and share valuable information. Information is way more uh critical than the dollar, right? Yeah. Way more critical. And and the sooner people realize that, hey man, if I hop on a you know a call and you got an issue and I can help you through it real quick. Jesus, that should just make you feel good. There doesn't always have to be a check attached to it. Sure. And, and and that's part of the reason why we even have this podcast in the first place, right? Is we're we're being able to do that. And I do resonate with a lot of the things that you said because I think that, you know, as business owners, we we all go through those those little points in time in our life, you know, no matter what. Sometimes, whether you have the best advice in the world or not, whether you're bullheaded and thinking do it better, <laughs> there's a million factors in there. So 
So it comes down to at the end of the day, you know, all those factors can be, they, they can be tabled if most young founders and CEOs nowadays are willing to just check their ego at the door and say, you know, Hey man, <laughs> you know, I don't know everything, but, uh, you know, I do know this and I know I'm having this problem. Uh, do you have just like five minutes and a solution that you could maybe help me out with? Right. You know what? There, there's not one person that would ever come to me where I wouldn't say, hell yeah, man, let's go. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that was a big part of the naivety too. It's like, you, um, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And yeah. I think, I think I, you know, being, having to make all these decisions on my own, not having trusted people outside of you know, partners that I was engaging with was very, very difficult. And uh, over time, you know, learning that that's one of the most important lessons is networking and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of that too, is this is you have to be very careful nowadays who you decide to take advice from because, because you've got a slew of COVID coaches everywhere. That's what I call them. Um, You know, they were born in COVID because they lost their job at Burger King, Um, (laughs) you know? So, so you got all these self-proclaimed experts running around that, that really don't know shit about business. Um, So on the same note, yeah, there's a lot of people that are willing to say, oh yeah, I'll give you, I'll help you out. But then again, you got to make sure you vet those people really carefully to make sure you're taking advice, advice from the right people too. Right. For sure. Yeah, man. No. And thank you. We're pushing this conversation forward and reminding people be humble. And the theme of expectations is a big one. You know, I can tell you a number of times I've thought about doing something and I'm like, okay, I'll just start writing it and I'll probably get it done over the weekend only to find like only 10% of it was actually done. And I'm like, what was I, in what planet did I even think? It's like, I never, anytime I make a decision personally, I never factor in. I seem to underestimate my family's ability, whether it's my, you know, my cousins or my siblings, I underestimate their ability to interrupt my life and my work. And it, should I see it as an interruption? I don't know. But you know, so every time I factor in how much time it'll take me, I'm factoring if if nothing interrupts anything that I'm doing in a perfect world, I could get this done over the weekend. Is that something that that you outgrew during those years, and then that's where sort of, you sort of set a, health, set a healthier expectation? Because that's something I don't know how I still do that at times. Yeah, you know, I, I, man, I learned so much through that. I, and I, I remember countless conversations with my agency, with my employees saying, you know, talking about expectation management. I think that's one of the things where we killed it, right? Um, uh, I, I was, um, I would teach them, you know, be careful about the words that you say. Don't say, I'm going to get this to you on Friday because that leaves you no room. Say my plan is Friday or I'm hoping for Friday. Right. Um, and, and then, and then paint realistic expectations. You know, we're, uh, you know, we, we sold websites, right. And um, they, there's certain timelines that come because of that. You've got a lot of content you need to get from the customer, a lot of requirements, all that kind of stuff. And I quickly learned that, you know, and frankly, frankly, that's why I started a proposal software company is, uh, you know, a lot of expectations are lined out in your proposal. Um, and, and I would, you know, coach my team over and over, like, 
the, the customer doesn't care that they're paying an extra $1,000. Um, they care that they're paying $1,000 extra dollars because it's completely random to them, right? Had you set expectations and made this to be a scalable line item, right, with some actual terms, you know, th- then uh, uh, they, they wouldn't be frustrated at all. In fact, they'd give you $2,000 extra. It's not a big deal. But man, just the that that moment of failure as a late in my late teens, just feeling like I had really, really um, failed my my other partners. We were months behind where we wanted to be with the software. Um, just became so um, intuitive to me over the years. Yeah, man. And I I was gonna bring it up at some point coming in here, but I was gonna say. So the software you developed, because I see the sign in the back there, that's a smart pricing table. This this is the most recent thing that you're that you've been working on. Yeah, I had um, uh, I did that uh, uh, online staff scheduling early on. Um, worked corporate for a couple of years, did my agency for twelve years, um, and then I started Smart Pricing Table uh, about a year ago. Um, and it's my my full time gig, um, business to you know. Mostly B2B proposal software is, is what I'm doing. Really just focus on that, you know, particular niche and um, you know, how to make the best proposals and um to, to close more deals. Yeah. And now is this a is this like a Chrome extension that is used in, in Google Sheets, or is this a f- like a self-contained uh 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 you client side uh uh application? Yeah, well, you want me to give you a little bit of background on kind of how it was started? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I was, I was at my agency and I was using a piece of proposal software uh, uh, for probably about three or four years. And I was really struggling because it load, the darn thing loaded so slowly. <laughs> and getting back to the expectation thing, I really like spelling out what the customer is going to get, right? I don't like vague. Um, vague gives me high blood pressure. Vague turns into an uh, ongoing, never-ending project, right? And so we, what we did in this other software is we defined all these line items. These are the things that we sell. Here's what's included. Here's what's not included. Here's some potential related upsells. And um, just was building that out and used it for years. But I got to the point where it was taking like 60 seconds to load the darn thing. It was so extensive. And I talked to my team and I said, hey, why don't we create the price table of the proposal? Why don't we create a piece of software for that? We always did that. You know, we are te- I always uh, told folks that our, our technology kind of outsized our, our size as a company. Um, and we were planning on just creating that pricing table, you know, options and uh, interactivity and all that kind of stuff. Well, one step left to an- uh, led to another. And eventually we had this full-fledged proposal software that we'd written um, just for ourselves. I used it for four years, um, personally closed uh, Bluetooth.com using it. Uh, we did their website, uh, Scantron, um, just a huge success um, for my own agency. We had customers that wanted to use it. Um, and finally, you know, <laughs> whenever you're trying to start a business, when you own a business, it's like impossible, right? You know, we'd, we'd get a big project that would land and never get, and I'd never get to it. Um, finally, a year ago, I ended up kind of being in a place of what do I want to do next? And I've uh, been doing that, just hitting it really, really hard. Um, so it really was, it was a piece of software we used that I wanted to take to the market. 
I love that. I, for me, those are my favorite stories where it's someone who specifically had a problem and then looked for a solution and all the solutions didn't work. They're like, we can make a better solution. And so you did. It's, you know, people may feel a certain kind of way about him right now, but I, I, I liken it to Elon was trying to find an affordable battery for the electric vehicle and then found that everyone was charging him insane prices. Right. Uh, so then he made his own. And this, then the same thing followed suit with rockets and, and, and certain parts of it that were that were designed automatically to fail so it could be turned into a consistent business forever. And so this idea of having a problem you face yourself and then creating a solution for it and you're your own best customer this means that you're always going to have your pulse on any innovations that are necessary to make the product better. Do you do you take the customer first approach where if the users that you do have that have adopted the solution as as their solution for their business, do you have like a community that forum where they they consistently submit ideas and 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 tickets to you saying, "Oh, it'd be great to have this." User feedback sort of yeah, we definitely uh, take user feedback all the time. Um, most most of it comes through email. Um, I like to, you know, one of the things I've learned is um, reckons or uh, harkens back to reading the E Myth. Um, uh, yeah. But it's really important, I think, for me as a CEO to be close to the product. So um, I, I take a lot of that feedback myself because I need to filter it through, you know, a thousand different conversations I've had over the last year. Um, but I love iterating. I love trying to get to the bottom, like what's behind this? What are you actually trying to accomplish with this feature? Because maybe we don't need to create anything. Um, maybe we don't need to adjust it. You just need to think a little, a little bit differently, or uh, maybe, you know, this is what you're trying to accomplish, but Hey, this is, uh, uh, a way to, you know, build a new feature that would be a blessing to all of our customers. Right. Um, yeah. I'm religious with pro with the products that I use. I constantly give feedback uh, j- just because I'm like, wow, this product's so great. I wonder if it could do this. And oftentimes I, I do end up realizing I just need to think differently about the way I'm using it because I'm trying to make this product act like the other product when it's sure. not. But if you follow the thinking or the, the thinking behind the design of the application itself or the software, you'll find that it solves the problem or it removes something you shouldn't even be thinking about anymore anyways. So it's really interesting. I'm just, it's interesting to get that other side of it because I don't know how many other entrepreneurs that might be listening uh, have a favorite product and they, you know, they have their team submit, you know, I wish we could do this because they're not going to scale. I mean, you, you actually have history in developing products, right? Not, not all entrepreneurs are in SaaS, right? So it's some people are allergic to technology and they're like, I don't know. I get my team to do it. <laughs> and great. You know, I, I text people, I make phone calls and I show up for conferences. Right. Everything else is not my problem. That's what I pay people for. <laughs> right, <sure. laughs> Jason, it's like, that's me. <laughs> so, so if you had to say like the, the smart pricing table was for anyone in particular, who would it be for? Yeah, you know, professional services are a really good mix. I, I think a lot of there's a lot of products in the market because there's a lot of different needs, right? And and proposal software, lots of solutions out there. I think for for my software, you know, I, I like uh, um, you know you, you have a product that you can define, put some limitations, and then also some upsell opportunities. Um, and I, I feel like it fits really well with professional services. Um, I have a ton of agencies as customers, customers, um, SEO companies, web design, 
Um, but I think it also reaches out to, you know, PR um, and can even go as, you know, into things like, you know, home, uh, like uh, contractors, um, electricians, plumbers, all that kind of stuff. And any, the, the big thing is it provides interactivity. It gives your, your customer a sense of control um, and allows you, you know, them to kind of design the project to a degree with you um, so you don't have to go back and forth so much. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Um, it's it, anything that pushes people away from email <laughs> yeah. like from, from, a, from uh, an unnecessary amount of back and forth emails. I, I 100% am behind. Uh, oftentimes, half the battle with a proposal and why it why it's so dreadful to so many people is because of the back and forth and trying to iterate and get what's going on and those have been the running themes of this conversation the management of expectations uh, of the self and of the work and how to set them for people that you are working with so i i think it's a really valuable conversation to be had uh so that people who are ending the day around this hour if they're if they're listening at the same time as this is it's essentially being recorded but you know post the date uh, if they're listening to this on a on an on a end of the week uh drive and they're sitting there reflecting on their day and how it went it it's worth it to to ask yourself you know what does my tech stack look like is it is it serving my needs am i paying for a software that i don't need but my team convinced me we did and then we never used it lord knows every business owner has at least two things they're paying for they just don't use and sure. It is just there, right? And, and the other is, am am I maximizing the communication channels that I have? I mean, these are all these are all things that I feel like are so important to reflect on. Like I'm, I've been trying to get more into writing on tablets uh, and and digital devices, and instead of like writing on paper, because I've tried that before, and then I end up with three different notebooks, and the organization is crazy. So, anytime I talk to a software developer, uh, someone who is designing workflows for me i'm always i'm always geeking out and trying to figure out as much of the thinking behind what went into it and i think that uh although it's a brief conversation that we had on it uh, it's important to know that that's something you're working on and that that's an alternative that people have because let's face it competition is healthy you know for for everyone pushes innovation and I'll have to I'll have to check out your product. But with that said, I want to check in with Jason to hear to hear any of his thoughts before we move on to the latter half of things. Yep, I am that guy on all accounts, uh, including uh, paper. <laughs> Still that guy. Right? I grew up in the. I mean, my dad he was a farmer. My mom ran multiple restaurants and stuff in town and clothing stores and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I, I remember as a kid, nowadays we have all this technology, you know, hit print, there's your PL. And I remember my dad, his PL was in a red, remember those old red covered notebooks that we'd get uh, when, yeah. we, when we were kids, right? The yeah. cheap ones. Right? Yeah, yeah. Hundred like, page college rule. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and my dad would have that lined out. It looked just like a PL, only it was in writing. He didn't even know what a PL was. I don't <laughs> even, you know, I'm sure it still existed then with the big companies, but but if you'd asked him what's a PL, he'd be like, What the hell is that? <laughs> These are my books. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And and there's something to be said about that. I mean, I, I love technology too, 
but I have a technology director to take care of that. (laughs) 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 So, but, but I, myself, I mean, I always say that, you know, I'm not very tech savvy. It's actually pretty far from the truth actually, but, but, uh, Cause I figure if I play stupid, then I know when people are lying to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I embrace technology. It's a great thing. I think it's great what you guys are doing. And I love that innovation is always born out of necessity. Most of it is right. Yeah. Cause there's a problem identified and you're like, man, how, how can I solve that problem? And then you look for a solution to solve the problem. And then, you know, you solve the problem and then that solution ends up creating money. Not always, but, you know, sometimes it's an internal function that gets corrected and you're like, awesome. You know, I had a project one time because I give a lot to Homes for Heroes and a a, a buddy of mine, he was uh, enrolled in Homes for Heroes and he had no arms and no legs, got them blown off in a, in a uh, IED in Iraq. And I thought, man, how could we fix that? And, you know, I sat down and I drew up the plans for the, the cabinetry that will push away from the wall and come down to your level. So, and then we made him this specific mouthpiece that he could put in and he could grab stuff. So he could feel like he was, he was mobile. Right. Um, and a lot of people ask, because today it's kind of a common thing. And people ask me today, they're like, God, why didn't you patent that? And I'm like, well, somebody did. <laughs> Clearly, that's not why I came up with it in the first place. I was just trying to solve a problem for a friend. Right. And and then we turned that over to the general contractor that was in charge. And then I'm sure they were all like, whoa, yeah, we're going <laughs> to. Now you can buy them that way now. So but I love that innovation is always driven by necessity and that that's what you've done. And that's when you, you live on the bleeding edge, especially in the SAS world. <laughs> yeah. And it, when you need something yourself, it, it's so you, mm-hmm. you, you really own it. It's kind of like I've, I've invested in real estate over the years. My tenants will never care about my properties as much as I do. Right. Um, in the same way, you know, we we had a six year head start on smart pricing table because we had already owned it. We had used it. We had mm-hmm. gotten so much value out of it um, because it was ours. Um, and that you can it's such a huge impact on a product or a service. Especially when you get to break it for six years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's even yeah. better. Oh was- man. <laughs> it's fun actually the last uh four years of owning my agency i did almost zero sales um because the the design of the app is really you know figure out what you freaking sell <laughs> think through what you actually um are going to bring to the market and i was always panicked about like you know a websites are very technical if i hire a sales guy is he going to sell a fifty thousand dollar website for 10 mm. and a ten thousand dollar for 50 and either way, I can't sleep, right? Um, but uh, uh, you know, we we worked on it so so much and so many iterations over the years, where um, it got to a point where I was hardly even involved because we could work out all those kinks uh, because we 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 owned it. 
There it is, man. I mean, it's with software in particular, the potential is limitless right now. And and you might find great alternatives to anything on Product Hunt. Um, and they'll be half decent. But the ones that really continue to iterate and really put out a superior product, I mean, those applications stand out, man. And they don't even have to do much marketing to get that loyalty going. People become raving fans and start Reddit threads and everything just because that's how much you solved their problem or empowered them to do something with that. And like, just look at like uh notion is one of those products that recently came out in a couple of years that is like blown people out the water. Uh, but notion can't invoice. <laughs> they try, they, they, they really do try, but you can't invoice. You can't proposal with that. You, it's more like a Wikipedia page that has some kind of spreadsheet function to it, but very limited. That's like the closest I could come to it. But now they added AI to it. So we'll see where that goes. But that's just what I'm saying. Like, as far as I can tell, out of all the products that are coming out right now, that one has like the biggest loyalty in the last four or five years of just raving fans. And when you see a product do that, you got to ask yourself, like, what problem did they face that drove them to to launch a company like that? Right. Yeah. You know? And so I can't wait to see what you're going to do because I'm not going to let this be the last time uh, we're in touch. Uh, and as we bring things out to a close before we go there, I want to make sure I give a a shout out to one of our supporters that made this conversation a fascinating one uh, possible. And that is uh, Kelly Gordon with uh, Cyberpreneur Inferno. So it, when we talked about this earlier, the burnout, right? The burnout experience. Well, believe it or not, Kelly Gordon has made painstaking efforts to build a community and a methodology, put them together to prevent burnout. And so you can break free from that cycle and double your agency's revenue in a hundred days. That's literally been her goal. And I spoke with her over the phone recently uh, and she's already working on something new after she mastered that. I'm like, it's unstoppable what she's doing. But uh, essentially, if the assumption is you were going to start an agency and double your money and double your freedom, and then you found out you had both less of both, and you're drinking Red Bulls just to stay alive. And I'm sure it sounds familiar, Joe. <laughs> but then you end up becoming a fully booked agency with dreams. Uh, and, and, and you wonder how the hell you got there after years. You can keep doing it yourself and try to break your head against the wall while you're figuring that out. Or you can just join the 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 community that the cohort that she's put together with a bunch of other agency owners who already have all the processes, the systems, the mindsets, and they can give you the personal attention you need to help you ship up and shape out. Uh, might be vice versa there. Ship up, ship out and shape up. Uh, so you could do that. And it's hundreds of them that she's partnered with. She created something really unique. And all you have to do is go to, I believe it's get dot cyberpreneur inferno and that might be tough to spell but give it a shot there <laughs> get dot cyberpreneur inferno dot com forward slash four x four right the four four by four method uh and let them know the war room sent you and they're gonna give you a percentage off uh 15 off that tuition because it's like a it's a program that you have to run through if they're going to be held up to a guarantee they're going to need you to hold up your end of the bargain but i think it's a very fair trade and very worthwhile if you are an agency and you're struggling and you're dealing with burnout as an owner, which I couldn't have picked a better conversation to have that supporter be a part of this. At any rate, I also want to let Joe tell us. And so Joe, please inform us, where can we connect with you further down the line, prefer your preferred channel? And do you have any calls to action that we should know about? 
Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Joe Ardeser, A-R-D-E-E-S-E-R. Good luck spelling that. Um, you can also just visit me at smartpricingtable.com. Uh, that's my SaaS product. Um, uh, I love giving demos. Uh, if you think there might be any interest in, in the product, maybe you've heard some of the things we've talked about in this discussion and might be intriguing, um, I, I give demos all the time. And then I have a 30-day free trial. Um, and if you mention this podcast, I'll also give you a first off, uh, uh, sorry, 50% off your first month after. Wow. This. <laughs> Boom. There you go. That's, That's how what... a SaaS product owner moves. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, I, 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 so my biggest growth came from an agency mastermind. So totally uh, propping up that, um, that group. I learned so much um, from people who had done it before and it was risky or it was like scary to spend the money. Totally worth it. <laughs> oh, I love it, that. It, man. It was cool though, because the last, the last uh, podcast we had right before this one, it was a toy company. And uh, on the, on the podcast, he goes, you know what you, you and Philip, I'm going to ship you both the toys for free, right? For your kids. And I thought, oh man, that's great. And then I looked it up. Oh my God, they're expensive. <laughs> I couldn't even believe it. <laughs> it's like 150 bucks for this toy. And I was like, great. <laughs> yeah. So, no, so, man, I mean, it was just cool. It, it's my point is it's really cool when people like ad hoc just do stuff like that. Like you just did. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. I mean, just. <laughs> it just goes to show the respect that the business community has for each other. Yeah. You know, I I've been a part of so many organizations and the only, you know, whether it's creative and entertainment and things of that nature. And the only, or the only group of people that have consistently proven to me to be incredible human beings are business owners and entrepreneurs, like hands down, uh, there's the occasional asshole and nobody knows how they got there, but they also don't last very long. But business owners by and large have been the most inspirational, hardest working, innovative and creative people I've met in my entire life. And I've, and I've hung out with, you know, celebrity musicians. So for me, it just blows my mind that entrepreneurs may not think of themselves as artists. And I, I honestly believe that the best art is a good business deal, man. I mean, you get, that's the Picasso of business deals, man, you know? So I really hope that all of you who are listening, as we begin to close things out, Really give yourselves credit for that and realize that that same creative faculty just makes more money than someone strumming a guitar sometimes, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's all it is, but it's the same creative faculty. Uh, so with that said, uh, Joe, the grand finale, how we close things out is if you could have invited anybody to this show, any point, place, time in the world, who would you have loved to have had here based on what we covered and why? Yeah, so totally random. It'd probably be my four-year-old son, Jack, uh, just because he's a freaking riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. total ham he would have had everyone laughing and uh he would have been a lot of fun <laughs> i love that man honestly i i really wish when i was a kid that that i had the opportunity to be a part of like a business i feel like if i would have started earlier uh a lot less mistakes that didn't amount to anything you know what i mean because mistakes can be valuable as long as it's strategic right and calculated uh, if it's just random mistakes you end up with a lot of lost time uh and having someone like, like I'm sure Jack is going to benefit immensely from having your presence and your wisdom and your experience in his life, man. And, I, and again, yet again, I hope business owners really give themselves credit. You are on, as uh, Jason likes to say, the bleeding edge of society. Uh, we talk about it all the time on the show. Most uh, entrepreneurs or business owners are totally unemployable simply because 
they're not willing to sit there and wait if they know it can be done in a day. Just going to do it right now. All the ones that are successful, that's how they are. Meanwhile, there's all this bureaucracy and got to shake a lot of hands and who's permission at other companies. So I really hope that people walk away from this episode jazzed up because you're living totally different. You're a different breed and uh, you're the kind of breed that can really make it out in the battlefield, the, the, the war on, on our, on our really our own self and, and overcoming ourselves and getting out there and getting shit done and making lots of money while doing it and supporting our families and making the world a better place. So with that said, I'm going to let Jason close this out because it is tradition that he closes this out. But Joe, thank you for bringing the energy necessary to have an inspiring conversation, man. You got it. Enjoyed it so much. Thank you both. Yeah. Well, hey, I always like to say this, Joe, and that is we all got the same 168 every week. And thanks for stopping by and spending uh, more than usual, actually, 44 minutes with us today. That that says this was a hell of a good episode, actually, <laughs> um, for sure. So so thanks for stopping by and taking the time to spend with us today. And uh, you just keep rocking, brother. All righty. Thank you. Take cheers. care. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.